0: Thank you, praise team. Thank you, Brother Tommy. Greatly appreciate Greatly appreciate all your hard work over the last couple of months. Um, I hope you know their heart when they're up here every Sunday. Their heart's not about a performance. Their heart's about worshiping. And their heart's about leading all of you, whether you're here in, here in person with us or online, to a heart of worship. And sometimes in life, That heart of worship is something very, very, very hard to grasp a hold of. If you will, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 16. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew right in front of you. Or pull out your device, iPad, iPhone, whatever you use. But please turn with me to John chapter 16. Me and Jennifer had one of those weeks where uh, we found it hard for ourselves to be in a... uh, attitude of worship all week. Um, We come to an eye-opening reality. That eye-opening reality was that me and Jennifer were not made for homeschooling at all. We started off this week um, trying to wake up very early. We figured we're going to get the boys in the same routine as getting up every day. We're going to try our best to get this schoolwork done for them and um, get them ready for their day. So, Monday morning, we opened up, we um, woke up that morning, and we realized what a horror this was going to be. I gained a whole new respect for anyone who homeschools or any of our teachers. I'm talking about a point of respect where it honestly put me at a point of repentance towards some of my old teachers. Seven o'clock, we started with sight words. Seven five, we were done pretty quick. <laughs> we moved on to writing their name. We thought something that would be a little bit easier. Nine ten, we moved on from that. Or seven ten, we moved on from that pretty quick. Seven fifteen, we moved on to um, math. Seven sixteen. we moved on from that. (laughs) We learned real quick that you've got to be careful what you start your day off with. If you start your day off with something that is pretty negative, and that experience, guys, I'm gonna be honest with you, is pretty negative, it has a way of dampering your whole mood. To shorten the story, by nine o'clock, me and the boys were heading to Rock Creek. We were going trout fishing. I can teach them how to fish. I can't teach patients, but I can teach them how to fish. Like I said, this gained, this gave me a whole new perspective when it comes to our teachers. And I know our teachers over the last couple of weeks have been um, having a tremendous strain on them. Some of them this week will be having to go back to doing a split of online and in-person classes. So I'm asking you, to please continue to pray for our teachers, continue to pray for our students, continue to pray for our hospital workers, continue to pray for everyone who is on the front lines of this and pray that we are getting through it. When I thought about my teachers, I thought about Miss Hutchinson, Miss Burnett, Miss Souther, Miss Cone, Miss Roxbury, Miss Fleeman, Miss Bailey, Mr. Inslee, Miss Conley, Mr. Mr. Clark, Miss Nicholson, Miss Knight, Mr. Arndt, Mr. Gribble, and Miss Rich. If any of you are watching this morning, let me just say, start off with this. I am so sorry. <laughs> I know there was a time in my life when I made things very difficult for you. I know there was a time that I made you feel unloved, there was a time that I made you feel unvalued, and um, this week made me realize that I needed to repent to all of you, some of you, um, some of you I'll have to repent to in heaven, but ma'am, what a task that was. But all of us run into these situations, all of us run into these situations to where we feel unloved, we feel unvalued. We feel all alone. The good news for us is that God never stops loving us. God never gives up on us. And God is always with us. But let's be real for a few minutes. Doesn't always feel that way, does it? does it always feel that way at all. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand why God could even love someone like me or yourself. We wake up in the morning, we feel completely unworthy. We feel completely undeserving. We feel completely abandoned. And it's hard for us to understand how loving our God is. This brings about a question for many people. How can a loving God, lest so many horrible things happen? The good news is, is we're not the only ones who struggle with this. And in John 16, Jesus is getting done with the discourse with the disciples. And one thing that he wants to point out to the disciples is something that you completely, can completely miss if you don't pay close attention to it. And especially close order to how John 16 is laid out. But in John chapter 16, verse 23, Jesus follows up a couple of questions. With this, in that day you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, so that your joy may be made full. These things I have spoken to you in a figurative language. An hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in a, a figurative language, but will tell you plainly of the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I do not say that to you that I <clears throat> that I do, and do I not say to you that I will request of the Father on your behalf, for the Father Himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I come forth from the Father. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. And I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. The disciples said, Lo, now you are speaking plainly and are not using a figure of speech. Now we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. But this we believe, that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Do you now believe? Behold, an hour is coming and has already come. For you to be scattered, each to his own home, and to leave me alone. And yet, I'm not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome. The world, Pray with me. Father, this morning as we dig into this scripture for a few minutes, Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear. I pray that you would give us eyes to see. I pray that you would give us wisdom to understand. Understanding to exactly what you were telling the disciples at this point. Understanding to know what the disciples were going through at this point. But ultimately, Lord, an understanding of how much you truly love us. You loved us in the fact that you created us. You loved us in the fact that you sent your son to die for us. And you love us, Lord, in an amazing way by choosing us to have your spirit dwell within us. This morning, Lord, I pray that we would take hold of that. Because while we may not be entering times like the disciples, we're still in times of uncertainty. We're still in times where we can feel lonely, where we can feel desperate, where we can feel like we just need some attention. This morning, Lord, attend to our hearts with your Holy Spirit. Let us see from your word just how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, why is it? Why is it so hard for us to grasp the concept that God loves us? Why do, we, why do we wrestle with that so much? We believe some crazy things when it comes to God's love for us. One of those things that we believe is we believe that our circumstances, our circumstances that we're presently going through, Reflect God's love for us. Jesus starts off this passage in John 16 with some words that don't seem like something you would say to encourage people. But in verse 1, I want you to listen to what it says. You don't have to turn there to be on the screen. But in verse 1, he says, These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcast from the synagogues. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them these things I did not say to you at the beginning Because I was with you. Why do we have this concept? Why do we have this crazy concept that the circumstances that we are currently in in our life is what determines how much God loves us or does not love us? As growing up in church, I've heard a lot of crazy things. Crazy things to where people think that God daily punishes them. Now, guys, I want to tell you something. I'm not saying that God doesn't chasten us. Chasten and punishment are two totally different things. To punish is to reprove for a wrong. To chasten is to encourage to do better. There's a difference. There's a big difference. But why is it that we think just because the situation that we're going through that God does not love us? I want to ask you a couple of questions. Did God love Noah? Did he? Y'all can answer. Y'all can answer, yes or no. God loved Noah. Even though he allowed him to go through all that time of trouble, even though he allowed him to spend many, many years preaching repentance and not having one convert even though he allowed him to go through that horrible experience of building that boat, gathering all those animals or having all those animals brought to him, staying on a boat for over a year period of time with his family makes quarantine look like a dream, guys, I'm just going to tell you. And all those animals, you're telling me that simply that God loved him, even though he allowed Noah to go through all that? Did God love David? So you're telling me that God allowed this young man who at this time really hadn't done anything wrong. He slayed a giant. People looked to him. Even God anointed him. Samuel anointed him as the next king. To go through this horrible time to where Saul was trying to do everything in his power to kill him. He went through days, months. The time frame's really not clear. Possibly even years. Of running away from Saul during all this time. So you're telling me that God still loved David even though he allowed him to go through all that hardship? Absolutely. Did God love Daniel? Daniel, that I can see of, and I'm not going to say that he didn't do anything wrong, all sin and all fall short of the glory of God, but from what we see, Daniel did nothing wrong. Even when put to the test, and I'm talking about really being put to the test, Daniel held to what God had told him just by a simple dietary law. But yet God allowed him to go through this captivity. He allowed him to see many of his people enslaved. He allowed David to be thrown into a lion's den simply for not kneeling to a king. And you're telling me that God loved Daniel? Yes, he did. Let's go one more. What about Job? Satan comes before Job, or comes before God. God, not sure how the conversation comes about. I would love to know more about it. Satan comes before Job, and God just says, have you considered my servant Job? He is upright. There is nothing defile in him. Have you considered him? To be tempted. God says do whatever you want to him. But you cannot take his life. Job loses everything. He loses his family. He loses all his livestock. He loses his wealth. He even gets to a point of distress. That he starts to lose his health. You're telling me that God loved Job? Absolutely, he did. We get in these pity parties all the time. How is it that God can love me when he's allowed me to go through these things? But we don't realize that what these situations really are is an opportunity for God's glory and love to be shown to us even more. Is God in control of all circumstances? Absolutely. 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 But our problem is, is we have a mindset that everything is about me. Do you know why you were put here on this earth? Let me humble you. It wasn't about you. Do you know why you were given the spouse that you're given? Let me humble you, It It's not about you. The kids that you were given. It's not about you. The position you were given, it's not about you. The home you were given, it's not about you. So Scotty, what is my purpose? Jesus made it clear. Keep these two commandments. Number one, what was it? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. That's what we were created for. We were created in the imago day to love God. And Jesus is being very clear to the disciples here. You are going to go through a lot of hardship. Things are not going to be like you think they are. But that does not mean that I do not love you. Do you think that's what the disciples thought? Do you think that's what the disciples thought? What do you think went through the disciples' minds? You're about to leave me. You're about to forsake me. What the disciples were experiencing were things that we experience ourselves. They allowed their situation to bring conflict to their life. And I know it's not clearly written that it did. But at the same time, when Jesus is captured, where were the disciples? They were out. Another reason that we have problems with knowing that God loves us is the feeling... (laughs) The feeling of being all alone. We have this thing that we believe our, refi- our feelings, how we feel, reflects how God loves us or if God loves us. Feelings are a crazy thing. Emotions are a crazy thing. Not too long ago, I started going through this book on emotions, and I had no idea to how many emotions there actually were. The first exercise that we had was to list out all the emotions that you could think of. I'm going to be honest with you. I listed out six. When the book started going through all of the emotions, I was amazed to see that they had over 60 emotions that I had not ever even thought about. But sometimes we allow things like emotions and how we feel to cause us to reflect on how God might or might not love us. Look what he says here again, starting there at the very beginning, in verse 4. He says, but these things I have spoken to you, so that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you of them, and these things I did not say to you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, what fills their heart? Sorrow. Sorrow is an emotion. It's an emotion that fills our heart, and it's an emotion that can control us. You know what another emotion that can control us? Loneliness. Loneliness is one of those emotions that can take hold of our life and leave us feel unloved, unwanted, and sometimes even unworthy. You ever thought about this? And I want you to bear with me for a minute because I'm not going on a tangent. But there is something that needs to be brought out of this. You ever thought about it? Jesus never told his disciples to go and be by themselves. Never once did he say, Go and be by yourself. And I know some of you are thinking, Scotty, gotcha. Matthew chapter 6. When you pray, go into the inner room. That's by yourself. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I pray to a living God. So when I pray, I ain't by myself. I'm with the Creator. I'm with the Alpha and Omega. And I am present with Him. But Jesus never told the disciples to go by themselves. Matter of fact, even when He sent out the 77, He sent them out two by two, or the 72. He sent them out two by two. Why? Because He knew that they would need each other. Jesus constantly tells His disciples to continue to continue in communion, in communion with God, and communion with each other. This is why, this is why I am so adamant about small groups. Small groups is where two, a group of people get together, not only to pray for each other, not only to discuss the Bible, but also to encourage one another. You think about the one and of the Bible, how many there are. Love one another, encourage one another, be with one another. You know what? You can't do these things from a distance. You cannot do these things from a distance. And I know we're in a time right now to where there very well could be the possibility that we have to shift gears and go online for a week or two. And I am not saying anything about the churches that are not meeting online, that are meeting online right now as well. All I'm saying is this. God created you to be with people. When you are not with people, I can tell you what's going to happen. You're going to feel alone. Isolation is Satan's number one tool. If he can get you by yourself, he can get in your brain. If he can get in your brain, he can manipulate your emotions. If he can manipulate your emotions, he's got you beat. Because he knows us as human beings go off of emotions more than what we should. Why don't you look at what Jesus said right here? Because he says it and it's very clear and we miss it. But these things I have spoken to you <clears throat> so that when the hour comes, you remember that I told you. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. When Jesus was with the disciples, they didn't feel all alone. Regardless of our situation, brothers and sisters, we've got to realize this. Jesus didn't leave us all alone. He didn't leave us all alone at all. Matter of fact, what Jesus is going to into next should be even more comforting to us. Our emotions do not determine whether Jesus loves us or not. Because he sent his spirit. To indwell inside of us. Another reason we find it so hard to believe that Jesus could ever love us, and this goes back to where we started off, is we believe that our faithfulness to God hinders his love for us. John 16, verse 32. Read it with me, real quick. Behold, an hour is coming and has already come. For you to be scattered, each to his own home, and leave me alone. Look what Jesus says. Yet I am not alone, because my Father is with me. Jesus is telling the disciples here something that they have no idea about. Jesus is foretelling of them turning their back when Jesus is being betrayed. All of us have that mindset that, oh, we would have never done that. How many of y'all ever said that? You watch something on TV, you see see somebody do something stupid. And you say to yourself, I would have never done that. I learned real quick, you never say that. Do you want to know why? Not only because you will do something stupid. A lot of times you'll do something even dumber than what you thought you were capable of doing. You'll find yourself in a situation making a decision that you never thought you would have made. That's why my heart goes out to cops. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback, but it's a totally different decision when you've got two seconds to make a decision. That's why my heart goes out to our school administration right now. It's easy for us to look at things from the outside, from a 90 degree perspective, but you need to understand something. Our school administration has to look at things from a 360 degree perspective. They don't have the luxury of looking at it from your eyes only. They have to take in consideration the community. They have to take in consideration the parents. They have to take in consideration the kids. They have to take in consideration the hospitals. They have to take in consideration the employment issue. They have to take in consideration the child care issue. They have to take in consideration that some kids don't have access to Wi Fi. They have to take in consideration that some kids don't have parents that will, even though it is so painful, sit down and do their work with them. Don't sit and think that you wouldn't make a decision if you were put in that circumstance when you're not in it. The disciples never thought that they would turn their back on Jesus. Yet when the swords were drawn, when the chains were put on, when he was being led away, all of them run. Jesus told Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. What was Peter's response? I'll never do that, Lord. I'll never do that. God, I'll never turn my back on you. I will never leave you. I will always be by your side. Did Peter hold to his word? Did that affect God's love for Peter? So where do we come up with all this foolishness? Where do we come up with all this stuff that God's love is based on feelings? God's love is based on our faithfulness. God's love is based on our circumstances Jesus never stopped loving the disciples and the disciples never could understand that I want to ask you a real question this morning do you really understand that do you really understand the love that God has for you because when Jesus asked that question do you now believe that's what he's really asking do you believe in the amount of love that I have for you do you believe that I created you in my image because I wanted you to be a part Of what I'm doing. Think about that for a minute. God wants you to be a part of what He's doing. Do you fully realize that God so loved you and the world that He sent His Son to take on the punishment that you were due? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That give. That given's a given like we've never done before. That was an ultimate sacrifice. It's the sacrifice of his son's life. Brothers and sisters, that's an amazing amount of love. And then one more on top of that. Do you believe that God loves you so much that he chose you? You. Because of your belief in that love for him, to be his vessel, to be his tabernacle, to be the indwelling place of his Holy Spirit that would do things in you that you could never do on your own. Do you believe that God loved you so much that he didn't want to leave you in the situation that you were in? And he wanted to bring you out of that situation. And bringing you out of that situation may have been some hard times. But at the same time, he never left you. He never forsook you. And he never departed from you. He's always with us. He's inside of us. And I know it's hard. It's hard in this world to understand that. When we, under, when we have the feelings of guilt, shame, hatred, and even death. And that's why Jesus says... Don't worry about the tribulation that you will have in this world because I have overcome guilt. I have overcome your shame. I have overcome hatred. I have overcome death and I have overcome all of your sin. And I did it because that's how much I love you. You wanna know why we're seeing so much hatred right now? and it's everywhere. Went into a store the other day to buy a Red Bull. Try homeschooling and it'll make you buy a Red Bull. Buy a case of them. The store was out of gas. The lady in front of me progresses to verbally vomit all over the gas, all over the gas station attended. For not having gas. If you wanted to serve us, you would have gas. Matter of fact, and I want you to listen to what her thought mindset after that was. It is your job to serve us. A selfish society does not understand the selfless gift that God has given us. You wanna know why there's so much hatred in this world right now? Because people do not understand the love that God has shown us. They can't grasp it. Why? Because they say there's no way that God can love me. Look at the circumstance I'm in. There's no way that God can love me because I have all these feelings of depression, anxiety, fear, Hate, anger, there's no way God could love me for that. And they also said, there's no way God could love me because of everything that I've done in my life. How many of y'all have heard those? Brothers and sisters, tell them your story. Tell them your story about how you so desperately needed Jesus because of the filthiness of your life that you weren't worthy, that you didn't deserve it, but he loved you anyway. Tell him your story of how God indwelled you with his Holy Spirit and changed things inside your heart because God's about changing things inside your not heart, not your circumstances, but he changed things inside your heart that you could never change. He let you let go of that bitterness he helped you let go of that depression. He helped you let go of all those things that are going on inside of you. Why? Because that's how much he loves you. Ever night. Well, not every night. Because I don't want to paint me and Jennifer as trying to paint us as super parents because we're not. But every night we try to let, put the boys down to bed and we try to read a story. Just to be honest with you, there's some of those nights, you know what I'm talking about? One of those nights to where it's just get in bed, shut the door behind you. Yeah, We're not praying tonight. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> but we try to sit down and read with them. And we've been reading this one book too. And it's a book that Jennifer found a long time ago. And it's a book that we're probably on our fifth time through right now. But it's called The Jesus Storybook Bible. And it's a storyline through the Bible. About the love of God for his children. I want to share something with you about it. First, it's not just for children. Because God has used that book to remind me and Jennifer how much he loves us. Because there's even times when we forget that. But there's one line that always gets to me. When it's talking about, when the writer's talking about describing His love for us. And the writer puts it as this way. His never stopping. Never giving up. Unbreaking. Always and forever love. Brothers and sisters, our sin does not hinder God's love for us. But our sin does hinder our love for him. And that's where the real issue is. And no matter how much we mess up, no matter how much we have moments of unbelief, no matter how lonely we may feel, he is always there for us. If we'll simply ask. in that day you will ask in my name and on your behalf I will request it of the Father. This morning some of you just need to know that you're loved. Here in person or online. Some of you just need to know that God loves you so much that he was willing to step himself off the throne that he was willing to take the image of mere man that he was willing to endure a punishment that he didn't deserve just so you could spend eternity with him do you now believe Do you now believe? Father there's times in my life I don't believe I'm not going to lie there's times in my life that I think your love is based on my do's and my don'ts and that's a very narcissistic way of living Lord because your love for me has nothing to do with my do's and don'ts your love for me comes simply because you created me you created me in your image you sent your son to die for me and you chose me to indwell with your Holy Spirit to accomplish the work of the great commission for which you came Father, this morning, it's my prayer that we would embrace that love. It's my prayer that we would truly believe in how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning as we stand and as they sing, maybe this morning you just need to throw yourself down at the feet of Jesus. And you can do that where you're at. You can do that at the altar. You can do that on your couch. You can do that in your car whether you may be listening to this. But this morning, embrace the love that God has for you. Jesus sent his son to die for you. That's how much he loves you. Stop putting blocks in front of your life that you think hinder that life. Tommy.